You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast, and I have Elijah Goldstein, PhD. Uh, he's the co-founder of the Center for Mindful Living in West Los Angeles and creator of a six-month coaching and mentorship program, A Course in Mindful Living. He's a psychologist and international speaker and mindfulness educator, and he has books such as Uncovering Happiness and The Now Effect. He's also a co-author of a mindfulness-based stress reduction workbook and the abbreviation MBSR Every Day. So, Elijah, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Oh, great. It's really great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell me, what, what started you on the journey of considering mindfulness? You know, everyone seems to have a personal journey when it comes to health. So. Oh, yeah. You know, I think like many, probably many people who, you know, um, get really interested in whatever their approach to health is, it usually comes out of their own, um, like me, my own kind of moments of suffering in my life, you know, throughout my life, but really and it came to kind of a peak in my mid-20s where I was uh, in San Francisco and um, I was working at the peak of the internet boom and working really hard and um, and uh, playing a whole lot harder. And so I was just abusing myself massively with drugs and alcohol. And, um, and I just knew there was something else there. There was something else that was more meaningful and purposeful. And, um, and I started reading a lot of books, like a lot of people begin with, um, around mindfulness or around different Eastern philosophies and found something really enticing about it. Like this idea that we could actually focus our attention and create, um, a greater sense of energy and, um, ease and well-being in our lives. And so I went away for a month to a retreat center down in Los Angeles and, um, got more of a taste of it and, uh, came away from that retreat center just feeling, uh, really uh, relaxed, more eased, um, a greater sense of purpose uh, in my life. And probably within a week and a half, I just fell back into my old way. So it wasn't lasting. Um, and that got me really curious and interested um, as well. I wanted to know what actually creates lasting change in people. Um, and uh, But it did plant a seed that inevitably uh, took me on a path where I started seeking out a teacher and seeking out groups of people who are also practicing and inevitably went back to a doctoral program in psychology um, and wanted to know, like, what is this training around being more present and focused in our lives and uh, and found mindfulness-based stress reduction, which at the time, if you're in a doctoral program, you have to research, you could do research. So that was the most researched program. It's an eight-week program started by John Kabat-Zinn. 
Um, and uh, that was the most researched program out there, studied in Harvard and UCLA and all the ivory towers you can think of. And, uh, and they had some real science behind it. And so I got trained in that program um, and eventually went on to uh, create my own programs. And now, um, you know, this entire world, this entire collective called the Mindful Living Collective, which is really a place where anyone can meet other people um, and have a more of a shared learning experience and practice around, you know, all these topics uh, that are associated with health and well-being. But what, what was your state before you got help? What was your state after? What, what things were you doing, like habits or behaviors or thoughts that you went you know, this seesaw back and forth into and out of? Uh, I was, um, I would say the the state I would describe myself in <laughs> was kind of confused. Um, okay. And uh, and just, um, I was just going wherever the, the current took me. I, I didn't feel a whole lot of control in my life. Um, although I was doing, and, 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 you know, it was a little bit uh, hard to tell at the time because I was doing well in business. And because I was doing well mm. in business, it was sort of masked a little bit that I was being really very unsuccessful in my personal life. And, uh, and, you know, it took, it took other people in my life to actually kind of shake me and wake me up a little bit. Um, literally people came to me, uh, my family and friends and said like, what's going on, you know, with you and your life and, uh, you know, kind of an intervention. And, uh, and, you know, afterwards, what happened with, you know, the specific experience I had that really kind of like ignited everything was when I was away at this retreat, you know, center, you know, away from all the, the cues and the triggers around me um, that were there, you know, in my environment in San Francisco, uh, I was, I met this guy who, you know, had a background in mindfulness and, you know, asked me to do something what I considered to be really silly at the time, which was to eat an orange in a particular way. And so I held this orange in front of me and I was looking, he's like, just, just pretend you've seen this thing for the very first time. Just kind of humor me for a second. And I looked at this orange and I saw the dimples in it and I said, okay, so it's orange. It has some dimples. And he said, well, what happens when you, you feel it? And I'm like, well, it's kind of soft and you know, kind of cool. And I opened it up and for the first time I saw the zest pop up and I never really seen it before. And so, you know, I hope I killed it before. He said, study this thing. And I'm looking at the membranes of it and I'm opening up and seeing the juice begin to spill out. I'm really kind of entertaining this. I'm noticing in that moment, he's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, oh, I'm kind of feeling relaxed. And he said, well, kind of taste this thing and do it slowly. Again, this is the very first time. Just notice how it hits your mouth. And so I put it in my mouth and just this explosion of juice hit my mouth. And, and it was just this real experience of enjoyment. And he said, you know, what would the days, weeks, and months ahead be like if you had more of this in your life? And I said, I guess I'd be more relaxed. I think I'd feel more joy in my life. Um, it's, it could be something as simple as that. And that's, that planted a seed, that experience for me, planted a seed of wanting to really study this stuff more. Now, the, 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 the hook in this is that we're not separate automaton like islands walking around this planet. We're just, we're really interconnected with our environment, the people we surround ourselves with. So when I went back to San Francisco and I went back to my same corporate job and around the same people I was with who, you know, who I, who were kind of cues and triggers for my old kind of habits and behaviors, I just kind of slid right back into that because I'm interdependent with them. I wasn't prepared for that, for the idea that um, I, like that the, the people I surround myself with, myself with and the environment that I inhabit has a major yeah. impact in the way my brain makes decisions. And um, any examples of that that jump out at you that you, you thought, how could I think that? Or why did I think that? Uh, I, you know, I 
I think about, I think about, um, you know, Jim Rohn was a famous motivational speaker who said like, uh, we're the, the kind of the average of the five people we surround ourselves with. Um, and what, what, what I mean by what I, what I hear when I hear that quote is, um, the science around emotional and behavioral contagion and, you know, how, uh, Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler, um, many years ago now mined the research of the Framingham study, um, which was a longitudinal study on heart disease. And uh, they found that uh, obesity is contagious up to three degrees. So when your friend's friend's friend is eating a particular way, you're going to be influenced by that behavior and that, that friend's behavior and so on. And they found the same with loneliness and positive and negative emotions and life satisfaction, which they defined as happiness. And um, so when you asked me, like, what thoughts and emotions I had, I think what happened was I went back to my corporate environment and, and, and there were the same people there. And my brain immediately kind of went to the place. Initially, I had a certain vibe about like feeling kind of elevated. Um, but then uh, I kind of went to the place of like, well, what's one night, you know, or, you know, it's not so bad to do this this one time or, you know, screw it. You know, classic types of thoughts that are kind of about um, just taking the taking the road most traveled um, mm. and uh, and and not having the people around me that inspired me to live differently. And, you know, that's a, at this point in my life where I'm at right now, I'm, I'm crystal clear that the people we surround ourselves with have is, is a strategic move in our lives and has a major impact on the way that we think, on the way that we feel, and the way that we behave. So if we want to live our best lives, when it comes to, you know, being, doing things that are in our own best interest around our own health and well-being, it's really important to look at your social circle and who you surround yourself with and the people you have the most contact with and begin to just kind of a, take a little bit of a cold audit. And it doesn't mean these people are bad people or anything like that. They could be great people and great friends and stuff like that. You take kind of a cold ad, audit and ask yourself the simple question. Does this person who I spend a lot of time with in my life inspire me to live my best self? inspire me to exercise in the way I want to exercise, inspire me to be mindful or present and aware of my life, inspire whatever change you're wanting to make in your life. Does this person inspire me to live this way? And to what percentage? Yes or no. And so we begin to kind of take a look at, huh, who's in my environment here? And can I begin to curate my environment to begin to give me the energy, support me, giving me the energy I need to create the motivation I need and the momentum I need to be able to make this change I want to make in my life. And um, it became a really important point. And the science backs it up is very clear about it. That, 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 that you know, this, the, uh, if we look at um, the science um, that Jonah Berger has done, um, he's wrote a whole book called Contagion, um, and, uh, and, and so many other people, the one I just mentioned, Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler, like there's a real reality around our interdependence with each other. Um, the environment we're in and the people we surround ourselves with. And we don't realize it, but it has real implicit impact uh, on our thoughts, emotions, and behavior. Well, I know growing up, you know, if you're around people that uh, do drugs, you know, you're more likely to do drugs. And you know, I've sure, lived right. in um, apartment complexes, for instance, where, you know, the, the people around me were just a mess. And like I said, doing drugs and all that, and it just, it becomes very tempting to do that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I've been around people that are very negative and that's, you know, a huge drain. It's horrible to be around them. So I've tried in my own life to reach for happiness and reach for the positive things. But um, did you have to do a lot of like difficult 
housekeeping? Did you have to tell some friends like, Hey, I don't want to see you anymore. Or did you just kind of stop talking to certain people or what happened? You know, you know what it was for me was I, well, I did start kind of creating, let's say little groups that met met regularly um, to kind of engage the things that made me feel better. Like uh, I created a group specifically around a, um, uh, a program called the Artist's Way. And that was to kind of influ- influence my own creativity with regular meetings so I could surround myself with those people. But the biggest thing that I did, which is not always available to most people, is I actually moved. And <laughs> that's when I went back to graduate school. I went back to graduate school. And again, it's not available to everyone, but I, I, I inevitably went into a place where I had more frequent. This is why I know this is so true and why this works so well. So, um, and, and is really a, um, uh, an important thing to do. And so I, I, I went and went back to graduate school. All the people in my school, or a lot of the people, were wanting me to grow and learn and progress. They were really like wanting, and, and they were doing that for themselves. So just being around these people inspired me to, to live in a particular way that was more for my health and well-being than against my health. And well-being. Um, but mm. for, I, I, go around, I go around the country and I speak around um, the world, and I, I, I train uh, at this point, I've trained thousands and thousands of people in, the, in this specific notion that that an understanding that the people we surround ourselves with and 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 to and the simple practice around learning how to be aware of the impact of the people around us and the environment around us and be able to begin to curate that. So, example, you don't. It, someone might be a, a loving person, a supportive friend. I'm not suggesting that this is a person that you then ditch if they're not someone who's living their best life and to, to be able to inspire you to live that way. They might be really important in your life and, and, and feed you in, 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 in important ways, love, support. Um, but we do need those people around us that are doing the things that we want to do. Like if you want to learn to eat better, we need to surround ourselves with those people. If you want to exercise more, we need to surround ourselves with more people. Meditators, we need to go to a meditate. We need to surround ourselves with people who are doing that stuff. Um, that's going to give us a huge boost and the motivation, the inspiration to lift us to that place, to give us the energy to actually do that. that yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the whole reason I uh, started this podcast was that, you know, in uh, 2016, I was caught up in the, you know, Trump and Hillary election and it was all negative and uh at the same time, oh, I was right. getting emails from from Peter Diamandis. You know, he talked about future tech, and you know, when I would read those emails, they were interesting, and I felt good reading them, and you know, I loved them. So I made a decision: Am I going to focus on negative stuff, or am I going to focus on positive stuff? So that's actually what led to the the whole creation of this podcast. So it's been one of my favorite things I've ever done. But that was like a big choice in my life, if, if that story helps. That that absolutely that decision you made as a perfect example. That decision you made. You made that decision. You're in a certain state of mind that, that led you to make that decision. Um, and no doubt that that then has had ripple effects across many people's lives. Because now when I say surround yourself with the people, it's also surround yourself with the, the material. So you're creating material um, for people to bring into their lives that they can kind of listen to on the go that um, creates inspiration and uh, insight and learning about stuff that's maybe, um, you know, that's that's. Uh, beneficial to whatever whatever way they want to live their lives. Yeah, that's key. Yeah, and I, I guess one, one one thing that may be helpful is um, I didn't know where things would go or how they would turn out, but I just did it anyway and said, all right, let's see. So I don't know if you've experienced that, but when, when making choices, big or small, I guess there's some aspect of it where you have to say, like, let's, let's just try it and see what happens, you know, without trying to analyze it to death. 
if it'll help you, you know, do gr- the best thing or not. There's a great uh, uh, psychologist um, named Irvi Allen, very famous in the field of um, psychology. And he, I was with him one time and he said, you know, if you don't risk, you'll never grow. And that's a great example of your, of what you did. Um, you know, you didn't know how it would turn out, you risked and look what it's, look what it's become. And yeah, you don't, you, you, hmm. you, would, I think all the most successful people who are, are out there and successful, what I mean by successful, I mean, in whatever, whatever success is defined as for that person, meaning like they feel fulfilled in life, they feel grounded, they feel a sense of balance, not just financial success, but um, are people who have, have risked, uh, have, have taken that leap. Um, and then if it didn't work out for them, they adjusted. And if that didn't work out for them, they adjusted. But they, those, but most of the people are kind of clear to some degree on like what, like why they, maybe what, what they wanted to do this for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to, you know, some degree, like what, like you, sounds like you were kind of clear on the, the what, uh, and maybe even the why, like why you were doing it. Yeah, it was just a simple reason why I wanted to learn things I wanted to learn, and again, learn positive things that were interesting to me instead of focused on negative things that, you know, don't don't help at all. But um, yeah. And, so what do, is there a, a simple framework for people to get started on this process? I mean, do they sit and make lists? You know. Or, how do people embark upon yeah. change like this? Yeah, to make it really practical, I mean, there's two areas that I come from. I come from the background of, of mindfulness. That's the thing that's been so helpful to me in my life, which is this practice of training myself to just be more present and aware. It's just a variety of different meditation practices and, and different practices that um, that are that have nothing to do with meditation, but just uh, this idea of just uh, uh, knowing what I'm doing while I'm doing it, um, you know, and just coming back to that again and again and again. And and fine tuning that just like you would when you learned how to play an instrument or learn how to drive a car or anything like that. Um, and then there's this idea of, of curating your social circles and your environment. So a specific example around both of those is as around mindfulness, you know, it's just, it's a trainable thing. Your brain is memorizing a procedure. It's basically as simple as that. If you want to be more intentional, focused and present in your life, you can train that just like you train anything. Um, and, uh, and so that, that just starts with sitting and pausing or standing or walking, whatever you want to do. And just for a moment, just seeing if you can notice how your body's feeling, um, notice the quality of your attention, notice how you're feeling emotionally. If you want to go, uh, and that could be like a 30 second practice. If you want to go a little deeper, there's a ton of apps out there that have a variety of meditations. Um, you know, but, but when it comes to getting the motivation, the energy to do it, it really helps. It's really helpful to surround yourselves with people who are doing this type of thing. Um, and so one thing you want to do, and this is specific to curating your social circle, is just get a piece of paper out and this will take you like five to 10 minutes to do. Just get a piece of paper out and list from top to bottom, um, the, uh, the people you spend most of your time with to least time with the people in your life you spend most time with to least time with. Um, this isn't the people that you care about the most or anything like that. It's just who do I spend my, what, my the most time with? Number one, number two, next, 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 like that. Um, and and mm. texting people and messaging people counts because you're having interaction with a, a frequent interaction. And then after that, you're asking yourself the question on a scale of one to ten: How inspiring is this is this person to me? to live, to be, to live as my best self, to live, when I mean my best self is, you know, the, you already know the way you want to live, you know, you know, what's best for you. Um, 
and does the very presence or thought of this person elevate you, give you the energy to live in this particular way? That's all, to be your best self. So, um, and, and again, you're not, doesn't, a low rating doesn't mean it's a bad person. It's just like you're just kind of taking an audit, basically. And then you're saying, like, do I have a lot of people that I have frequent connection with that are high? Or are people on the outskirts high that I need to have more connection with? Or do a lot of people here not have a lot of um, high inspiration? And do I need to go then find some of those people? Do I need to, how do I make more contact with more people in those circles? Because that's going to more naturally elevate me and give me the energy to do that. Um, and you know this, right? It, it's just based on my experience um, uh, in doing this. And you just described a number of, uh, I mean, you just got, described that experience of being in an apartment building and and having people who are doing drugs you know, around you. We all know this, that you walk into a particular building, we can feel anxious if it's really cluttered, but if it feels open, we tend to feel more relaxed. We walk into a certain mm. group of people, we tend to feel more elevated. Another group of people, we feel that frenetic, anxious energy. Um, so we're just taking this audit, and, and then you can, uh, if, you, if you need to, if you find people in the outskirts, the question is, how can I make more frequent contact with them? If you don't have those people, it's like, where are these people then? Yeah. What, what if someone feels like, oh, I'm surrounded by assholes? You know, <laughs> what do they do to <laughs> find people? Or, you know, the, the, the typical advice, like, get a hobby. You know, that's like old school, gruff, like New York advice that I heard many years ago. But, you know, what's like a nicer, gentler way to, to find the people that you're looking for? And that's not right. That's not a bad, bad thing. Like meetup.com, there's a reason that that company started. Um, to find people of similar interests with you and can connect with them like live in person. Um, so that's actually a great resource. It's kind of hit or miss. You know, sometimes um, it's the exact reason why I created uh, something called the Mindful Living Collective um, was because here's a, here's a space where a lot of people come to because they want to learn mind. This is, this is about people who want to live their best self and want to learn mindfulness in particular. And they're all motivated to do that. So you enter into this space and it's, around, it's all people who are motivated to want to learn you know, mindfulness and learn how to live, you know, their, you know, their most elevated self. And, and so there's groups that form around specific interests around like anxiety around aging or around these types of things. There's courses in there to kind of go deeper into that material. But the whole sentiment behind it is that you're in regular interaction with people who are wanting to support you and inspire you in living in this particular way. So I wanted to create a space that could centralize this so people know where to find these people. So that's that particular space, mm. but meetup.com is a great example of that. Um, my guess is there's, there's somebody, you know, in that, in that circle that's already there that um, might be someone that's worth making more frequent contact with. And if there's not, there are these things um, that are available, again, to look at. But I would look at researching meetup.com. I would check out the Mindful Living Collective um, and, um, and no doubt uh, there might be other type of interest groups that might, you know, where you might meet some of those people. Yeah. One thing people can do that I tried, you know, is I, I started a couple of meetups on a topic I wanted to talk about like AI or things like that. And, you know, a, a couple of times only like one or two people came, but I met one or new, two new people. So you can either go to meetups or start your own, or, you know, like you said, you provide a great resource for people to find that stuff. So I guess there's a, uh, there's a lot of things people could do. Yeah. I recommend like, yeah, if, if someone wants, if someone's interested, if like if exercise, if like living in that particular way is, is important, you know, there are particular, and this sounds, you know, it's worth kind of, again, I love the example that you gave around taking risks, because sometimes we're kind of nervous or hesitant to actually do something like this, like 
for example, um, there are certain types of exercise groups that are more tribe-based, which means like it's more relationship-based almost. Um, like you end up meeting the people more and it becomes more of like people that you end up having a connection with just versus some cold gym that you just kind of come in and out of and you don't actually know anybody in. Um, if there's like things like that, like um, uh, uh, what's that circuit training? Um, uh, blank on the name right now, whatever it is. But you know, there's certain kind of circuit training type of exercise spaces where the same people come all the time. So when you see the same people repeatedly over time, you can't help but make a connection with them. And once you have that connection, that person then drops on your list. So all of a sudden you have mm -hmm. someone on your list who, a note of them kind of is inspiring to you to kind of do that particular thing. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, any other strategies for people? Maybe some people are super shy and just need an existing structure to fall into. Um, you know, maybe some people live in rural communities or their interests are, I don't know, maybe they feel unusual or embarrassing. I mean, what, what kind of flavors of help do you see people need in doing something like this? I, I don't think there's any shame in, 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 re in finding relationships online. Um, you know, like, and especially like nowadays with, with the ability to see people, to choose whether you want to actually see the person or not via video feed or, or, or whatnot. If you're living in a rural area or you're feeling shy, that's a great first step. It's to say like, well, can I, it's not what can't I do, it's what can I do? That's the question we want to always ask. What can I do? Is to see if I can, you know, step out and kind of move into, you know, an online group where I can meet people and have frequent interactions with people um, that are kind of living in this particular way. Um, also, we have to understand that our energy has a impact on our motivation. Like hardly ever do you see someone slumped over who feels really motivated. Um, typically, we <laughs> want to kind of be aware of our, yeah, we want to be aware of our kind of body posture and that's going to impact the way our mind thinks, like what we actually can do. Um, sometimes actually getting our energy up um, helps us feel more confident. Uh, you know, it has it plays a little trick on our brain um, that makes us feel a little more confident. Um, and so we can even kind of like do, and this may sound silly, but like kind of do even some, some brief kind of exercise if we're feeling kind of anxious about a particular thing and, um, and get our energy up a little bit and then enter into that next moment. Um, but uh, getting our particular, getting our body and our energy up um, helps us feel more courageous to take on whatever that is that we're feeling hesitant about, but we know deep down that we really would like to try it. Um, you know, whether it's a meetup or going to a particular, again, circuit training group, or whether it's going to, you know, uh, whatever it is that live thing is. And again, that online space is a good uh, mediating point. And um, I know we have a lot of really warm, wonderful people, you know, in the Mindful Living Collective that um, have also live in rural areas too, and uh, have been able to make great relationships with people um, over time um, that, you know, for them, they see it as a lifesaver. Any um, misconceptions people have about mindfulness? You know, like they say, oh, well, I'm supposed yeah. to sit there and eat a blueberry for an hour and think about the universe. I mean, is there anything people yeah. say that, you know, is dismissive, but a misconception? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think mindfulness, you know, has been put out in the in the magazines and touted as like this panacea. Um, you know, it's the cure-all for everything. I was just on a, uh, an airplane back from New York to L.A., and they have a mindfulness hour-long, um, you know, episode on there. And it's like the guy, the guy says, um, see this medical chair? If you sit in this medical, medical chair, it'll cure. And he lists like, I don't know, like 50 things. It almost seems like it'll cure your life. It'll be like amazing. He goes, 
there is no medical chair. That medical chair is mindfulness. And I'm like, oh, God, geez, you ruined it. So, you know, because <laughs> the reality is that's the problem. Like if you kind of pose it as a panacea, which it's not mindfulness, you know, there's a lot of doubt that gets raised and it should. But mindfulness is, is really a simple practice of, of mental fitness, of training our minds to be more available, to be able to see the choices in front of us and to be able to focus on the things that are going to be for us instead of against us. Like if, you're, if your mind typically is one of those minds that focuses on a lot of worries or focuses on ruminations in the past, and it just kind of does that, and you know, and you feel kind of, you walk around feeling kind of anxious or stressed all the time, um, then, then mindfulness, what mindfulness can help do at least, at the very least, is start to train the ability to focus on the things that are going to be um, more supportive to you. Uh, and maybe focus on the things that you need to actually do and accomplish or focus on the things that matter to you more in life versus the worries and ruminations that are there. Or maybe focus on the worries, but focus on them more intentionally so you can actually plan and prepare versus letting your mind go to the worst case scenario. So it's a way of mental fitness that can actually help you tune your nervous system, but it's certainly not something that's going to, you know, uh, for sure you practice mindfulness going to cure cancer and it's going to bring you a million dollars and it's going to like do all this stuff, which is video seem to be kind of touting but the but it does give you a greater sense of perceived personal control and it's totally trainable like anything it really is your brain has a something called procedural memory it memorizes procedures and when you practice and repeat something with certain level of repetition you get a little bit more mastery over it and perceived sense of control is correlated with study after study with feeling more well in life, when we have a perceived, a perceived sense of lack of control, that tends to be more associated with anxiety and depression. And, um, and certainly what we're doing is we're, we're really training this locus of personal control with mindfulness. We're, we're, getting, we're harnessing the ability to focus on the things that are going to be supportive to us, um, getting a bit more control of our minds. And again, practice and repetition, your brain memorizes certain procedures, and it really is, it really is as simple as that. Um, but it's the it's getting the motivation to get the practice of repetition going. That's the the harder thing and working with our doubting mind. And that's why I bring up the idea of, um, you know, look in your environment, look at the people you're surrounding yourselves with, because they also have an impact on giving you the energy, you know, that um, helps supporting you, inspiring the energy in you to actually do this stuff. But it doesn't have to be dependent on them. Um, you know, we can kind of, you know, also drum that up in ourselves. Okay. Well, very good. So what's um first step or two for people that are listening that, you know, they feel like they need some kind of relief or improvement in their circumstance or their friends or, you know, whatever it is going on in their life. Like what's, what are some initial first steps they can take? Uh, I, I would say um, um, that a, a simple thing you can do in your life, aside from kind of just experiment, having a kind of a scientist mindset, just experimenting with different um uh, re readings and writings, um, and maybe listening to things like this, uh, or, um, playing with different apps that have meditations on that. Um, the simplest thing you can do is be on the lookout in the day and where you notice your body tensing and see if you can notice that tension and then soften your body, uh, or open the space where you notice the tension. If you did that throughout the day, that would actually train some mindfulness, um, and also be, make your body feel a whole lot better and make you feel better. Um, very simple thing to do. Just have to remember to do it. Is my, where is my, is my body tensing right now? Where is it bracing? The first thing we do in the six-month coaching program I have called A Course in Mindful Living, which you mentioned uh, earlier, 
but um, but that's a very simple thing to do that really takes no time out. Um, but then in addition to that, you can explore certain writings and articles or books um, or listen to podcasts or experiment with different meditations. But I do think it's good to, if you are interested in like mindfulness as far as like really learning it, it's good, it's good to enter into some structured program of some kind. So you have like a teacher and you have people you're learning with and you know, that kind of thing. There are in-person programs like mindfulness-based stress reduction, great introductory eight-week program that's, you know, various places all around the world, but not certainly not available everywhere. Um, a Course in Mindful Living is a six-month coaching program that I created. The next one starts uh, um, uh, uh, June 11th, um, 2019. And, um, but things like that um, can give you more structure um, for you. And the collective is a general space where you know, just the people, there's people there that are, that are doing shared learning stuff together. Um, and that's another place to start. And also just researching maybe a meetup group. Maybe there is one near you um, that might be value aligned with an interest you have around some kind of change you want to make in your life. Okay. Well, very good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming. And, uh, you know, hopefully people that are listening to this, uh, you know, whatever their circumstances, whatever they can at least take small steps to improve it and feel better and be happier. And uh, I guess as I, I thought, you know, why be miserable? Why not reach for happiness? You know, there's plenty of misery in the world. I'd rather be happy than be a miserable, you know, miserable wretch. So. Right. It all starts with your focus. What are you focusing on? Hmm. Well, very good. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been really great. I really appreciate it. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. FutureTech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.